We are rolling. All right, go Here ahead. Here we go, Peter. Question number one, what is spirituality? <laughs> Well, spirituality is quite a buzzword in culture at the moment, and it's a term that's often sort of banded around with a great deal of vagueness. Um, but here's how I would define what a spirituality is. Uh, that a spirituality is uh, a way of life uh, that aims at bringing wholeness to a person uh, through integrating basically your head and your heart and your hands, as it were. Uh, so uh, your your beliefs, your worldview, uh, what you think, how you think about things. Um, your heart attitudes towards things, your affective responses to what you believe to be true and false. Uh, the commitments that you make towards things. Uh, and the combination of what you believe to be true and false and so on, and your effective and committed responses to that leads you to behave in certain ways that, that flow out of uh, the, your head and your heart working together to lead you to behave in the world in certain characteristic ways. Uh, so I would say that is a sort of a holistic view of spirituality, integrating the head and the heart and the hands, or at least that's what it aims at doing uh, I think everybody wants that kind of wholeness and that everybody basically has a spirituality and this is a very general sort of generic understanding of spirituality and then different particular spiritualities will there'll be some overlap but there'll be differences as well so different spiritualities will cash this out in different ways will talk about having different worldview beliefs uh, different attitudes and commitments, different uh, practices associated with that spirituality. So I would say there's, there's Christian spirituality, which I think is, is true spirituality. Um, but yes, of course, you know, a Buddhist, a Muslim, a Hindu, an atheist has a spirituality. It's just that they have a slightly different set of beliefs and ways of thinking, uh, attitudes and commitments and actions than a Christian would. And A, how does spirituality relate to culture? Yeah. So how does spirituality relate to culture? Well, I think uh, culture uh, is the, the product of the, the interaction of people's spirituality in their environment, as it were. Uh, so... Um, you can think about um, art or architecture. Um, people's beliefs and commitments lead them to act in a certain way in the world, and that includes producing cultural products, uh, making buildings of a certain sort, say. And of course, the buildings they make are going to be affected by things like the available resources in, in their environment, but also how they use those resources will be affected by their worldview, by their understanding of human nature, say, and what, what helps people to flourish. Um, you know, a communist society tends to design buildings differently uh, from a, a liberal democratic society, um, uh, or um, you know, a Muslim culture 
will design a place of worship differently um, than a Hindu culture. Um, so, for example, um, within Muslim spirituality, you don't portray in pictorial form uh, the prophet or, or God, whereas in Hindu culture, if you go and see a Hindu temple, it's festooned with images of of the gods uh, and so on. Um, so um, people's beliefs uh, about things and so on affect what they produce uh, in their environmental circumstances. Um, next question. What are the logical weaknesses of scientism? So one of the uh, kind of ways of thinking um, that dominates spirituality of westernized people particularly uh, and works its way out into, into Western culture um, is a view called scientism, um, which must be carefully distinguished from science, uh, which, is, which is great. But scientism is not so great. I think. Uh, indeed, scientism um, is a uh, self-contradictory viewpoint that says the only way to get knowledge about anything is through the scientific method. But it's self-contradictory because when you apply that, that rule to itself, it doesn't meet its own standard. Um, what, what can you do by way of doing science, as it were, that could justify the claim that you can only know things through doing science. See, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. Or another way to think of it would be to say, um, this claim that you can only know something or, or justifiably have a belief if you've got a scientific warrant for having that belief. Well, that would mean that in order to justifiably believe belief A... I'd have to have some scientific warrant, B. But why should I think it's rational to believe in B and to think that B really does support belief in A? Well, according to scientism, I, I would be unreasonable to accept B unless I had some scientific warrant for doing it. Call that C. Now, you can see where this is going to lead. We get, we get into an infinite regress if you demand that everything you believe be justified by, by science or, or by any sort of argumentative process. You just can't do that. Um, ultimately, many philosophers today would say uh, we, we have to realise that our rationality is grounded in rational intuitions, um, places that it's reasonable to start arguing from without having to argue to or, or to argue for those starting points because it's simply impossible to argue for everything whether scientifically or not so actually rationality starts in in rational insight you just see that it's true um, that the basic laws of logic for example are, are true and reliable and you go from there um, you just see that it's, it's apparently true to you that there's a physical world out there that science can study that's a real physical world independent of, of our minds and how we think about things. But that's a philosophical idea about the nature of reality 
that some people in some spiritualities would, would question whether there re- really is a mind-independent world and so on. But how are you going to do science unless you have that philosophical belief? So it's, it's science itself assumes various things about the world and our ability to know things at a philosophical level before you can get into the process of doing science. And since science depends upon these philosophical beliefs, it's it's self-contradictory to say you can only know things through science. That's like soaring off the branch that you're sitting on. Wonderful. Question three. Uh, why have facts become disconnected mm. from values in the modern West? Mm. So in modern Western culture, many people would buy into um, a disjunct, a divide, between talk about facts on the one hand and values on the other hand. Now, I think the, the intuitive position is actually to say that there are facts about values. Um, that, for example, it's a fact that rainbows are beautiful, or that it's a fact that it's wrong to torture small children just for fun, and so on. Um, but many people in today's culture would, would deny that, be- partly because I think a lot of them buy into this scientism that we were talking about earlier. Um, if you have the view that science is the only way to know anything, you pretty soon realise that science doesn't give you access to knowledge about ethical or aesthetic uh, truths. Um, so, for example, uh, science will tell me how much poison do I need to add to my Aunt Mabel's afternoon cup of tea in order to stand a good chance of inheriting her country estate by the morning. But science won't tell me whether that makes me a good or bad person, whether I ought to do that or not, because science describes how the physical world does behave. But it doesn't tell me how I ought to behave or ought not to behave. So if you buy into scientism, you pretty soon see the entailment that you don't know anything about facts and values, that you can speak about scientifically knowable facts about the physical world, but talk about values becomes, well, just a matter of your opinion versus my opinion, and there's no fact of the matter, or at least no fact of the matter that we can know um, in order to adjudicate moral differences. You're, You're just left with moral differences of opinion, but it's not like, you know, I'm right and you're wrong, or that uh, we could ever uh, adjudicate a moral disagreement between people. Okay. <clears throat> How has postmodernism emerged from modernism? Mm. So very broadly speaking, uh, we can think about cultures in three uh, different overlapping types or phases. Uh, a pre-modern culture, uh, which would be, for example, a, a biblical culture and spirituality, a modern, modernist culture, and uh, some people will talk about postmodern uh, culture. And really, I think, uh, for example, uh, within a pre-modern Christian spirituality, um, the root of the worldview is a belief in God. And there are various consequences for thinking about 
life, the universe and everything that follow from believing in, in God and, and God's nature and what is done and so on. Well, a modernist worldview tried to get, uh, get rid of belief in God but wanted to retain many of the things that, within a pre-modern view, followed from a belief in God. So within pre-modernism, for example, there's God, and he creates humans in his image. Uh, so although we're finite, we can nonetheless expect to be able to understand something of God and something of the world that God's created, because the ways that our mind is designed to work and the way the world out there it works, both come from the same rational, creative source. Uh, and that was one of the thoughts that undergirded um, the whole rise of the scientific enterprise as we understand it today within Judeo-Christian culture, historically speaking. Well, modernists wanted to retain a belief in uh, rationality, in the ability of humans to understand the world and to do science, say, and also to retain a belief in certain values, like the value of you know, the individual human being having inherent dignity and so on. But again, those seem to be beliefs that actually, within a pre-modern worldview, you see depend upon a belief in God. So I think what's happened over time is uh, modernism has got rid of God but wants to retain a lot of things that really depend upon belief in God. And so the more consistently people have tried to live within a modernist worldview and spirituality and culture, the more they've seen the inherent tension there. And the more consistently people have tried to live with modernism, the more they're pushed towards a post-modernism that actually says you can't hold on to these beliefs in rationality and value and human dignity and so on, because those things do depend upon a belief in God. But rather than go back to believing in God in order to keep hold of belief in science and rationality and ethics and so on, uh, actually what we'll do is we'll go the whole hog, uh, we'll go all the way basically towards a nihilistic worldview that says, well, okay, there's no God and there's no ethics and there's no human rationality and you can't really do science and it is all a matter of opinion and it is all uh, power plays uh, and so on. And thus, the more consistent you, you try to be with a modernist worldview, the more it pushes you towards uh, a deeper and deeper type of postmodernism, which which ultimately in the end I think really is the same as nihilism. Great. Okay. <clears throat> what are the consequences of modernism in our society and culture? Mm -hmm. So the consequences of, of modernism you get these inherent tensions within society and culture that I was talking about. So on the one hand, uh, secular humanists want to believe in the value of humans as the most rational beings and as, as beings who have you know, individual rights and, and dignities and so on. And yet they've taken away the, the sort of metaphysical foundations for doing that and find it very hard to, to justify having those uh, beliefs. Francis Schaeffer used to talk uh, about 
um, people, modernist people, making a sort of leap of unjustified faith. They have the ground floor of their worldview house, uh, which doesn't really justify or support the upper floor of their worldview house. And they, they say, you know, everything is just basically matter, and there's no God behind why we're here, so there's, there's no sort of given objective purpose to life, the universe, and everything, and so on. And yet we want to believe in uh, human purpose and dignity and so on, when really all you can talk about is our subjective human purposes and so on. But you can't say... Am I following the right purpose or not? The purpose that I'm meant to pursue? Those questions become nonsensical within a modernist worldview. And so as as people grapple with those tensions within modernism, actually the more consistently they live out the denial of God, as we were saying earlier, the more they're pushed towards ultimately, I think, a nihilistic worldview that... In one sense, it's more consistent because they're being more consistent with their denial of God. But that ends up being a more and more disintegrative worldview and spirituality uh, where the, the longings and the desires of the human, as I believe, made in God's image for purpose and meaning and dignity and, and so on um, is actually uh, pulling at tension uh, with all of the, the worldview uh, baggage that underpins modernism and indeed postmodernism, uh, principally this denial of God, which then you know leads on to ultimately the postmodernist not only denying God but denying things in the realm of ethics and denying the knowability of truth, our ability to uh, even know uh, things about the world scientifically as well as uh, ethically. Great. We're done. Great. We're, done. We're all done. Thank you very much.